Well, it's great to be able to worship with all of you today. We are especially honored to be invited into your home, all of you who are watching today uh, online with us this morning. We're so glad to be able to spend a little bit of time with you today. We are in, right in the middle of, of this series. Um, and, and really what we're talking about throughout the course of this series is, is this, um, this kind of universal experience uh, that, that all of us have had at some point, whether you're a follower of, of Jesus or not. In fact, um, the, the truth is, even if you're someone and you're not sure that you even, you know, even believe in God, if that's where you're at um, this morning, the, tr the truth is, haven't, isn't it true that at some point in your past, um, you kind of you, you um, you know, went through a season of life and it, and it made you kind of say, hey, you know, um, to, to whoever is up there or to whom it may concern, um, if there's anybody listening or anybody paying attention right now, Right now, and so all of us, right? All of us, we, we kind of know what it feels like to experience these these seasons and, and these moments in life where it feels um, like God has gone dark. And even if you are someone who um, who doesn't really you know need what we're talking about in, in your own personal life right now, which is great, um, chances are all of us, right? All of us probably know someone who is struggling with this right now. So I want to highly encourage you um, to, to share what it is that we're studying together right now. You can do that online on social media. It is super easy to share and also to invite anyone to, to participate and to be a part of this series and to talk about what we're talking about with this series with you in the days and the weeks um, to come. And, and if you're with us for the first time today or the first time in a couple of weeks, um, th this is a pretty heavy topic. Uh, that we're that we're talking about, and so um, you may want to take the opportunity to go to our website or get on YouTube and catch up on some of the parts of the series that you've missed. Because basically, in this series, what we're doing is we're we're asking two questions that that all of us have asked at some point, which is God, um, why are you allowing this, right? And God, am I am I going to make it through? Right? And for some of you, this might be exactly where you are right now in your life because you're praying for a husband or you're, you're praying for a wife um, and, and they're not showing any sign of coming back. They're not showing any sign of trying to do anything to work on the marriage. Maybe you have a, a prodigal son or, or a prodigal daughter. Maybe it's a health issue for you um, or a health issue for somebody that you care about. It could be a school thing. It could be a work thing. Um, it could be a relationship thing. Um, and and you, you think to yourself, okay, I, you know, why wouldn't God answer my prayer? Because, I mean, this is simple. I'm not asking for anything extravagant. I'm not being selfish. You know, I, I just, I'm just asking, uh, I, I just need to catch up. I, I just need um, to, to catch a break. I, I just need to, to kind of make it, you know, get even. And, and, and so we think to ourselves, okay, why, why wouldn't God? Do this? Why wouldn't he answer this? And 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 chances are, um, you, you've thought this before, and, and you would probably never say this, and so I will. Um, maybe you even find yourself looking around at other people th that you know, and you think to yourself, okay, um, like, you know, God seems like he's blessing them, and they're they're not even they're not even a good person. Like, I'm a better person than that person is. I, they don't even try to go to church. They don't even try to listen to God. They don't even try to pray, and yet everything in their life is going great. And 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 here you are. Right? And you're not asking to be rich. You're not asking for anything extravagant. Um, you just, you just want to break. You just want to catch up. You just, you, you just need a little help um, to make it through. And for all of us, when we find ourselves in, in these kind of prolonged seasons of life where it feels like, um, you know, God has gone dark and we're asking these questions over and over again, um, whether we ever express this or, or not, um, emotionally, we begin to, we begin to experience a, a number of things. The first is that we get mad. 
right? We get mad. I mean, some of us get mad at God. Some of us get mad at ourselves. Um, some of us get mad at the people around us. We get mad at our parents. We get mad at our family. Um, some of us, if we're honest, we just get mad at everybody, right? And then all of us, right, all of us are tempted to leave, right, because we think, okay, well, um, you know, it'll be better next time, right? It'll be better next time. It'll be better, you know, maybe I should just, you know, find somebody else because it'll be better next time. Maybe I should just go start a new family because it'll, it'll be better next time, right? We're always tempted to give up. Right, when we go through this for a long period of time, we're always tempted to, to give in. Some of you are just tempted, if you're honest, to just drink it all away, just medicate it all away, just use substances, right, to, to numb the pain and ease the pain. And, and you know that's not the healthy thing to do. You, you know, deep down, if you're honest, you know that doing that, all that's going to do is, is cause more problems for you. I'm trying to relieve your tension in that way. It's just going to create more tension either with you personally or, or certainly with the people you love, certainly with the people who, who love you. And then, of course, right, we, we look around and, and we begin our, to compare ourselves because everybody else seems to have the, the relationship that, that we want. Everybody else seems to have the marriage that we want. Everybody else seems to have the, the family or the friends or, or, or the job that we want. And so, of course, we get jealous and, of course, we get resentful and, of course, we get angry. Right? These are the things that happen to me um, when I'm in a season of life like this for a long period of time. So I'm, I'm guessing this is what happens to you as well. Because, see, the truth is, even though every single one of us are absolutely unique, and even the circumstance of, of your life right now is unique, the, the, the truth is this. Um, our emotions and our experiences during times of, of loss and suffering are extraordinarily similar. Let, let me put it another way. The circumstances that you may be facing in your life right now, they may be absolutely unique to you. I would never argue that. But the experience of loss, the experience of suffering, and the experience of grief, it is absolutely the same. In fact, this is why counseling works. Right? This is why therapy actually works. This is why uh, we're, we're going to talk about more um, next week, why the practice of, of lamenting actually works. It's why I told you a couple weeks ago that when I find myself in one of these seasons of life, one of the very first things that I do is I open up the pages of, of Scripture and I look to see if there's anybody in here who's dealing with the same doubts, the same fear, the same experience, the same circumstances of life that I'm experiencing right now. Because if I can find anybody in here who's facing what I'm facing, then immediately, immediately I, I can be reminded that I am not alone and I am not the first. Because the God who has been faithful to the people in the pages of this book, that God is the same. Jesus is absolutely the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that means he is going to be faithful to you in your time of need as well. That you are not alone and that you are not the first. And so today, uh, I want to tell you another story about uh, another individual whose life um, has some very uncanny resemblances um, to, to many of our own, especially if you are someone who is dealing with or who has dealt with the topic of unanswered prayer in, in your past, um, especially the emotions and the experience of unanswered prayer. Um, but before I do that, I want to actually recommend a book to you. 
And if you're watching online, you can take a screenshot of this. Uh, if you're here, if you want to take your camera out and get a picture of this. Um, God on Mute by Pete Gregg is simply the best book that I have ever read on the subject of unanswered prayer. Pete Gregg does an amazing job uh, of being um, scripturally focused, uh, biblically faithful. Um, he, he, in, in, he is intellectually honest. Um, he does an amazing job of dealing with the subject and the emotions of unanswered prayer in such a way that he points us towards our Savior and our faith in the midst of darkness. And he does it in an honestly way, intellectually. He does it in a way um, that actually encourages you to hold on to your faith and, and not simply um, walk away from your faith like so many other people might try to convince you to do um, during one of these seasons. And um, if you buy this book, this is the paperback version. This is on Amazon right now for about 20 bucks. Um, this version of the book also comes with a 40-day prayer devotional, which if you're thinking about Lent, which is not too far away, would make an excellent resource to use during the season of Lent. This is what I'm going to be doing, um, using this devotional during the season of Lent this year, along with our New Testament read-through, which again is completely free. And if you haven't gotten one of these yet, um, please grab one today on your way out and just help start the habit of beginning your day or ending your day with one chapter of the New Testament as we move through 2023 together. Now, um, part of what makes all of these experiences that we're talking about together in this series so difficult is that these seasons where it feels like God has gone dark, they force us to reconcile a very, very emotional idea um, that none of us like. And the idea is that the presence of adversity in my life does not equate to the absence of God. Now, intellectually, you can believe that this is true. Um, you, you can know that this is true cognitively. But emotionally, right, emotionally, this whole thing, this idea makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And that's part of what makes these experiences so perplexing and, and frankly, so potentially damaging to our relationship with God. Because relationships are always and inherently emotional. Right? And so um, living in denial never helps. Right? But one of the things that's so important for us to do is to understand that how we feel, right? Not, we don't want to deny our feelings. What we do want to do is recognize that our feelings are not the only way for us to actually know what's true in a relationship. Right? This is true in every relationship with a person you have. This is also true in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Now, let me illustrate it this way, and I know this is kind of silly. Um, but if I were to conclude that, you know, God does not exist because God is not doing what I want him to do, then logically my kids should also conclude that I don't exist, right? My son should literally walk around each day saying there is no dad, there is no dad, there is no dad, right? If cooperation is always proof of existence, right? And that's silly and, and it's simplistic and I understand that and I'm, I'm not making fun. Um, because I, I live in the same world that you do, and I experience the same emotions that, that you do, right? But in those moments, for us to conclude um, or to, to come to the conclusion that adversity is a, is, a, is a response to a lack of love by God or a lack of the presence of God in our lives, that, that would be a huge mistake. And one of the things that I hope that you take away from this series is that uh, the pages of this book, specifically the New Testament, are just filled with men and women who, who loved Jesus, who followed Jesus, who spent their lives serving Jesus, and yet still experienced tremendous amounts of adversity 
in their life personally, but instead of allowing their adversities to silence them, which is what we're all tempted to do, instead somehow their adversity actually fueled them and made them more adamant about taking the message of Jesus out of their personal circumstance and into the world and into the lives of people around them. And perhaps there is no better example of this happening than the Apostle Paul himself. Now, one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul is such a good example of this is because in many ways, the Apostle Paul is just like us. Because he never knew Jesus before Jesus was crucified. Right? So he never met the, the pre-resurrected Jesus. The Apostle Paul wasn't one of the twelve. And he learned what he knew about Jesus from other people who knew Jesus, just like us. And yet, by all accounts, the Apostle Paul ends up being one of the most, if not the most famous and influential people who ever followed Jesus, who actually did more to spread the message of Jesus in our world than anybody else. Right? And even though Paul followed Jesus, even though he loved Jesus, even though he was doing exactly what it is that Jesus wanted him to do, something very, very bad happened to the Apostle Paul. And he came down with some kind of a chronic illness or a chronic condition. We don't know exactly what it was. Um, but what we do know is that it never went away. And it got bad enough that it actually became an obstacle to the Apostle Paul doing what it is that God had wanted him to do. So picture the Apostle Paul. Imagine being the Apostle Paul for a moment. Right? And you have this incredible, literally miraculous experience as an adult um, where, where God literally shows up to you and says, I want you to go and do this for the rest of your life. And, and then as a result of that, as you follow Jesus, um, you actually develop a, a, an illness or a condition that prevents you from doing the very thing that God just told you to spend the rest of your life doing. Right, so of course the Apostle Paul gets frustrated. Of course he tells God this doesn't make any sense. And God, why would you? And God, how could you? And God, I don't understand. And see, the truth is, if we just stopped the message right there, for many of you, that would be a tremendous comfort. Because you're sitting here today and you think God doesn't even know your name. You're sitting here today and you think God has absolutely no idea of what is happening in your life right now. I want you to know that one of the people who literally did more than anybody else ever in our world following Jesus and following our Heavenly Father, God also said to him, no. In fact, it's a result it's a result of his praying and his wrestling and his lamenting with God over this no, of struggling with God over this no, that the Apostle Paul gains a tremendous, tremendous insight. And the scripture that we're going to look at together today is actually an explanation of this insight, and it contains a truth and a promise. And this is so important for you. Please do not miss this. The truth actually doesn't apply to you, but the promise it absolutely does. And this is where we've got to pause for a moment and I need to give you a little bit of an explanation. One of the things that is the biggest struggle for me personally when I'm going through a season where it feels like God has gone dark is, is wrestling with this emotion right here. There's a whole lot of shame. Um, because for me, um, what, what I end up doing in moments like this, the kind of, the kind of thoughts that creep into my mind um, our thoughts like, okay, God, does this mean that I'm expendable? Does this mean my family's expendable? 
God, if I, if, if I was better, would you like me better? God, if I was more faithful to you, would you be more faithful to me? And one of the things that we discover in the pages of this book, in fact, we're going to hear more about this from um, Pastor RJ in a, in a couple weeks, um, is that Scripture makes it incredibly clear that every single one of us, that, that we actually have an enemy. And that enemy's whole purpose, his whole mission, is to steal and kill and destroy. And what the enemy wants to do is to take from you all of the things that God wants to give to you. So God wants to give you a word. He wants to give you some peace. He wants to give you a break in, in, the, in the struggle. He wants to give you some rest. And those are going to be the exact things that the enemy is going to go after and he's going to try to steal. And one of the most destructive and emotionally difficult and devastating things that we experience as followers of Jesus in those moments where it feels like God has gone dark is when Satan twists God's word by either using somebody else's words or sometimes just in our own brains and he twists God's word around. The very word that God gives us to encourage us, to give us peace, to give us hope, to bring us joy and to remind us of who our Heavenly Father is. Satan will take those very words and he will twist them and use them to cause hurt and pain and confusion and despair in, in your life. And see, you and I, we are most susceptible to this happening to us in these seasons and in these moments when it feels like God has gone dark. And so I want to give you an example of this um, from the, the scripture we're going to look at together today. The Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says this. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me... A thorn in my flesh. Now, quick question here. Okay, everybody eyes up front. Who is the Apostle Paul talking to? Not a trick question. Right? He's talking to himself. Right? He's not saying, hey, Joe, I know why God has given you that thorn in the flesh. Hey, Joe, I know why you're experiencing in your life what it is that you're experiencing right now. It's like, oh, what, why? Why is that? Well, because he wants to keep you from becoming conceited. See, one of the things that Satan loves to do is to take what God intends for good and twist it and distort it and actually make it a source of pain and hurt and embarrassment in, in, in your life. And, and this is why it's so incredibly important for us, right, individually, it's so important for us to actually be aware of how it is that we speak to people and interact with people who are suffering, right? Friends, family members, acquaintances, people who are going through a difficult season of life. Because Paul is saying about himself, not you and not me, right? To keep me from becoming conceited. Because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Now, lots of people have speculated about what it is that the Apostle Paul is referring to here. Some people think he had epilepsy. Some people think it was chronic malaria. Um, some people think um, that, that he had some issue going on with his eyes. Um, there's a little bit of evidence of that and other things that he wrote. Other people think that he had uh, chronic seizures. Um, the truth is we don't know. Right? But what we do know is that he very specifically uses this word right here that we translate as torment 
And in the Greek that Paul wrote, this word literally means to strike repeatedly with your fist. It, it's meant to convey the image and the picture of a person who is beaten up physically over after over, again after again after again, over after over after over, many times just physically, physically beaten down. Right, And Paul is also very clear, don't miss this, that whatever this thorn was, right, it was from Satan, it was not from God. The Apostle Paul is telling us here that, that Satan put something into his life with the express intent of destroying the Apostle Paul's faith. And yet God, what God did is he takes what Satan intends for harm and he turns that and uses that not to destroy the Apostle Paul's faith, but to actually point the Apostle Paul to the one in whom he placed his faith in the first place. And Paul tells us three times... Right? Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it, to take that thorn away from me. Right? And these three times are not Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Right? These are seasons. These are seasons of life where, where this thorn, wherever it was, this, this painful, humiliating, debilitating thing was so unbearable to the Apostle Paul that it brought him to his knees. And he literally said to God, I cannot continue to do what you've called me to do if you don't remove this. I, I just can't go on anymore. I, I can't do what you've asked of me. I can't stand up in front of people. I can't write. I can't preach. I can't teach. I, I, I can't be faithful unless you remove this from me. So God, you, you got to do something. And see, some of you have been told that the reason that your life isn't changing, the reason that you're, you're not getting better physically the reason that you deal with a, a chronic illness. Some of you have actually been told that the reason that's happening to you is because of a lack of faith. Right now, I'm not going to use the words to describe what I actually feel about that idea. But suffice it to say, I think that's not true. And the reason I think that's not true is because the Apostle Paul had more faith than all of us put together. He was a man of absolutely extraordinary faith. And he pleaded with God for three seasons of his life to do something that would actually allow the Apostle Paul to serve God better than he was presently able to do. And see, the, the problem with the whole idea that you and I, that we can somehow faith God into doing something um, that we want God to do, that, that whole idea is childish, it is foolishness, and it's terrible, terrible theology. The, the problem with problem-free Christianity is that it's not Christianity at all. It's not the faith of the Apostle Paul. It's not the faith of Jesus himself. Again, the scripture is so clear that Jesus himself, he endured all kinds of rejection, of loneliness, of isolation, of physical pain, literal torture. And see, this is why the Apostle Paul says what he says next. He says, but... In other words, God did not do the, the thing that I pleaded with him for three seasons of my life to do. God didn't do it. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, my grace is going to be more than what you need to carry you through. One of the most incredible promises that our Heavenly Father makes to us anywhere in the scriptures is found in Hebrews chapter 4, which tells us this. It says, come boldly. 
for each of us individually come boldly to the throne of our gracious God because there we will receive his mercy and we will find these are not conditional statements these are promises this is going to happen you will receive his mercy you will find grace to help you when you need it the most God says to the apostle Paul okay I'm not going to take that thing away but instead I'm going to give you the grace that you need to sustain you and to carry you through it. When you're tired and when you're weak, I'm going to give you the grace to sustain you. When, when you're hurting and you're in pain, I'm going to give you the grace to sustain you. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you the strength. I'm going to give you the ability, the endurance to keep going despite that thing which is afflicting you. God says, I'm going to give to every single person who relies on me in their time of need. I am going to give you the grace and the mercy that you need to sustain you through whatever it is that's afflicting you right now. And see, the truth is, this is where we live, isn't it? Because every single one of us in this room, every single one of you who are watching right now, all of us have something that we wish God would change in our lives, don't we? So what are we going to do? Are we going to throw our hands up and shake our, our fists at God and, and, and say, you know, God, I'm done with you? Right, that's not what the Apostle Paul does. Right, not at all. He says, okay, um, listen, uh, I, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust, Heavenly Father, that if you don't remove this thing from me, I'm going to trust that your grace is going to be there for me. I'm going to trust that your grace is going to be enough. It's going to be adequate. It's going to be more than I need to carry me through. Whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever it was the Apostle Paul was dealing with, and grace in this context, right? Grace is simply the ability to put one foot in front of the other for one more day. Grace is simply the ability to, to endure the unknown at home for one more day. It's simply the ability to go to your job and just endure it for one more day. Grace is the ability to carry you through in the direction that God would have you go. And see what the Apostle Paul says next, I'm telling you, nobody would dare make this up. Because if we were to say to Paul, okay, Paul, now that God has said no to your request, what are you going to do? Are, are you going to turn and run? And stop following him. The Apostle Paul says, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boast, right? He says, he says in the next verse, verse 9, I'm going to boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Now, this is so incredibly important for us to understand. He's saying, listen, I'm not going to run from this. I'm not going to hide from this. I'm not going to pretend about what's actually happening in my life. I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that, right, in other words, there's a result that will happen. There is a, a cause and effect relationship. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. So that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul's explaining, he's saying, listen, in order for me to actually experience Christ's power through me, in order for me to experience the grace and the mercy that God has promised to give me during this circumstance, I have to actually embrace the circumstance. That's what Paul is telling us in this scripture. Now, here's again why this is so important. 
Because for many of us, regardless of our age, when we find ourselves in the midst of an unchangeable circumstance, we feel embarrassed and we feel ashamed and we hope that nobody finds out. And so that leads to us pretending or hiding or lying in order to cover it up. And that is precisely why the Apostle Paul says in our weaknesses, Jesus' power actually becomes most obvious in us. This is why, he says, for Christ's sake, I actually delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. Because when I am weak, that is when I'm strong. When I am weak, that is when Christ is going to be most evident in me. And see, God always, always, always values dependence over independence. And so consequently, God has opted for me to be dependent on him rather than to be self-sufficient in the eyes of the world. Because it's when I'm dependent on him, when I am weakest, that is when God's grace fills me. And it's in that moment that his grace covers me and makes me strong. Not in my strength, but in Christ's power. Christ's power is which covers me and which covers you. Now, I don't know what's going on in each of your lives right now. My sincere hope is that this is the most irrelevant sermon that you have ever heard. Because that would mean that your life is fine, you don't need this, you can just set this aside, you can go back to Amazon or doing whatever it is that you were doing before this, right? But see, for some of you, this is literally where you are right now. And you feel like either God is saying no, God has said no, or perhaps that this message might even be a part of God saying no to you. And so if that's the situation that you find yourself in this morning, I want to just give you uh, a couple of, of quick short statements to help guide you in your conversations and your prayer time and your discussions with Jesus as you move through this season where it feels like God has gone dark. The first is this. Never forget that your Heavenly Father absolutely, He absolutely cares about your circumstance. One of the things that's so easy to miss in this section of scripture and yet which is so incredibly important is the Apostle Paul never gets caught up with this idea that sometimes we get caught up with, which is the question of whether or not what we're experiencing right now is a part of God's will. Right? He just says to God, hey, listen, please change what's happening to me right now because what's happening to me right now isn't good. Right? Because he is your heavenly father, that means that you always have the right to ask God to change your circumstance. Right? When life hurts, you ask him to stop the hurt. When the relationship is falling apart, you ask him to fix the relationship. As one of God's children, you always, 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 always have the freedom to ask your heavenly father to change your circumstances. The second is this. If God does say no, that does not mean that he does not care about you. And the fact that he says no is not a reflection of your faith. It is also not even necessarily having anything to do with sin being present in your life. These things are not connected. In fact, think about this, and you know this if you think about it. It takes far more faith to endure a no from God than it does a yes from God. I don't even know if you need faith to accept God's yes. But you absolutely need faith 
to accept God's no. It is an entirely different story. Right, third, it's in our trials and it's in our weaknesses that Jesus and Jesus' work is actually most clearly seen in us by the people around us, people who see us living our lives day after day because those are the moments when Jesus actually gets to do the things in us that other people see and they realize, listen, only God could do that. Think about it this way. This is what I told you when we started the series. Um, if you stop and you think about the life of your, um, the story of your favorite Bible character, right, whoever that might be, Ruth or Gideon or Joseph or uh, Peter or, or Esther, right, whoever your favorite Bible character is, let me tell you this. The, the story of their life is not the story of a person who lives their life each day and every single day, day after day, everything is just fine for them. That is not their story. Instead, it is the story of a person who encounters a wall or a challenge or an obstacle or a season, a long season of darkness. In fact, a season of darkness that's so much bigger than they are, it actually highlights their weakness in that situation. And in the moment they are most helpless and when everything is most hopeless, it's in that moment that God shows up. And when he shows up, he pours out his grace and his mercy on that person, not because of what they did, but actually in spite of what they did. That's the story of the person you're thinking about because that is what our God does. Even in your own life. Isn't it true, if you think back over your past, the times where God was most active, isn't it true that those were moments of weakness and not moments of strength? And then finally, the last one is this. Never forget that your Savior, your Savior Jesus, he faced a very similar situation in his own life, that the Gospels, all the Gospels tell us that at the very end of Jesus' life, the night before he would be crucified, that Jesus was wrestling, that, that he was, we're going to hear more from Pastor Tony next week about this word, um, he, he was uh, lamenting, right? He was lamenting to us. In fact, um, it's Luke, the Gospel writer Luke, who actually records for us the words of Jesus' lament to his heavenly father, Luke tells us that, that Jesus was saying this, that he was saying, Father, Father, if you are willing, right, which don't miss this, means I know you're able, right, if you are willing, because see, I know you're able, Father, if you are willing, because I know you can, will you take this cup from me? Will you take this cup away from me? Will you remove this situation, this circumstance, this obstacle in my life right now? Father, if you are willing, because I know you are able, will you please change my circumstance? And if your answer is no, if your answer is no, I, I will accept it. I will accept it. Because not my will, but your will be done. And see, every single one of us who call Jesus Savior and Lord, we are all grateful that our Heavenly Father said no to His Son on this night. Because what the garden reminds us what the life of the Apostle Paul reminds us of is that Jesus' sustaining grace, 
in your life, the promise of sustaining grace and mercy in your life, it always begins, not with my will, but with thy will be done. Let me pray for you. Father, I, you are the only one who, who knows um, how this lands uh, for all of us today. Father, you know that one thing is for sure, this is a lot easier to talk about than to live through. And yet, Father, even in my own life over these past several weeks as we've been in this series and as I've gone through many of the things that we're talking about today and over the last several weeks, the way that you've reminded me about your sustaining grace and your mercy. Father, I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful that you've made that promise, not just to me, that Father, you made that promise to all of us. And so in this moment, I know right now there's somebody in this room, there's somebody watching. I know that there's someone who's been begging and pleading with you, Father, to act and to move. And so in this moment, I just want to come to you on their behalf. And Father, I want to ask you to restore what is broken. I want you to heal, heal the illness, redeem and restore whatever it is that's been lost. And Father, if the answer is no, would you please just simply do what you've promised us you will always do and just shower us with your grace and your mercy. And Father, for the person who's here and for the person who's watching right now and, and, and maybe, they, maybe they have walked away from you, Jesus, Maybe they're convinced that their circumstance, because their circumstance is not good, that you can't be good. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just do for that person in that circumstance what you have done for countless people throughout history. And just take what the enemy intends for evil and use it for your good. Use it for your glory. And Jesus, for us, as we, as we close our time together today and as we prepare to sing and as we prepare to worship, Jesus, my prayer for us is that the words of this song that we're about to sing, that they would be a, a powerful reminder that you are the God who provides, that you are the God who is faithful, and that in all times and in all ways, you have promised that you will always be working to bring your love into our life.